0: Hey, this is Candice Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so it is epic weekend. I know we've had a lot of epic weekends lately, right? Have you guys been enjoying all the big events we've had since Easter? But epic weekend is something specific around here. It's a special weekend. At Freedom Valley, because it's a weekend we get to hear from the gift of the evangelist, right? There are five gifts, God says, that are for the church specifically, and evangelist is one of them. And so we like to invite that voice to speak in to our church. We, we call ourselves vibrant, passionate, and selfless, right? And our guest speaker today is definitely passionate. We actually came across him by accident almost a year ago. And he, he bailed us out of a crazy situation where a guest speaker canceled, and he came in at the last minute, and we just became fast friends. He definitely feels like Freedom Valley family already. So would you help me welcome Evangelist Tim Bennett?
1: Well, I just said to Pastor Candace, I said, are you sure you want to give me the microphone? You never know what somebody might say, man. We are so thankful to be with you again this weekend in Gettysburg. So thankful for the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Canis, for uh, the invite to be back with you folks this year. How many were here last year when we? It was Memorial Day weekend, right? How many were here last year for that? And you remember how many? How many of those you knew I was going to be here this weekend? Let me see. And you still came. All right, that's awesome. So we're on a good, we're, we're already started in a good path. So I thank you for that. Uh, if I haven't got to meet you before, my name is Tim. Uh, my wife Katie is sitting over there. We've been married now for 18 years, right? 18 years. And then uh, my daughter Emily is sitting there beside her as well, 15 years old and going on 32. And then we have uh, three more kids out in the wing over there. Uh, Josiah is 11, Hudson is 9, and our little girl, Ariana, turns 5 in just two weeks. So uh, we're blessed and busy. Come on, somebody. But if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open, open them up to the book of Second Samuel chapter 9, Second Samuel chapter 9 tonight. Again, I want to make sure invite you out. Pastor Candice mentioned that each service is going to be just a little bit different. I'm going to give a different message each time. So maybe that's not something normal for you. Maybe, you know, you come once, uh, you come, you know, tonight, or maybe you come at the 9 or 11, 15 service tomorrow, Uh, but each service is going to be just do a little bit differently. So I want to invite you, you, you get the head start on everybody else that isn't here yet tomorrow. You can actually be the one that is here for all three services and then come out to the heart and soul many. Conference on Sunday night as well, so you're the only ones that have the shot at doing that. So give yourself a pat on the back, feel good about life. You know, put a little gold star on the on the uh, refrigerator when you get home. And uh, but each and every night, uh, each and every service is going to be a little bit different. Tomorrow morning. I'm going to actually give a message called Snake Eggs and Spiderwebs. And so uh, that's right out of the Bible. And uh, if you can find that before tomorrow morning, you'll get another head start. And so, and then 11 o'clock, uh, I really want to invite you, if, if you can't make it to the 9, I definitely want to invite you to make it out to the 1115 service as well. 915, 1115. Isn't that what you guys do? 15. Does that just make you feel like you're on time? You tell yourself to be here at 9, but it doesn't start till 915. Is that what really is going on? Yeah, I figured so. I know how that works too. Uh, but... The 11:15 service. We're we're going to specifically be praying for uh, folks to receive miracles and signs and wonders to happen in this house. Uh, We've watched God do some fun things over the last several years as we've been traveling full time as evangelists, and and we all know it has nothing to do with me or you know our our family. It's everything to do with the power of Jesus Christ, and so uh, we're excited about that. We've watched people get their sight back, that were deaf get their hearing back, tumors literally disappear right in front i'll never one of the most the craziest things i've ever seen was a bone that was deformed straightened out i could hear it and see it happen all at the same time and one of the craziest things i've ever seen in my life and so uh god is up to something and and uh uh, listen wouldn't it be just like him to go ahead and touch you tonight so let's let's just kind of set the ground rule before we go any further through the rest of the weekend god you have whatever whatever you want to do i'm game You know, whatever God wants for us tonight, let's surrender to him and allow him to have his way in our lives. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt tonight. Listen, I I didn't come. uh, Listen, Jesus didn't come for those that didn't need him. Right, and I'm I'm not here to, if you if you already have life figured out, you got it all under control, everything's great for you, and you're skipping down the yellow brick road to see the Wizard of Oz. Listen, this probably isn't going to be your weekend. All right, I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, but here tonight, if you're here and you're in need of God, if, if you if you tired, maybe things have been crazy, just out of control, uh, maybe it was some decisions you made, or maybe it was something that just unfortunate, whatever it might be. Listen, I'm, I I believe God sent me to this weekend to encourage you, to lift you up, to let you know that. that That the God, the source of hope, will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And listen, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. How many believe that this weekend? So this is what we're going to do, and I'm excited for what God has for us tonight. If you have your Bibles, again, invite you to open up to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, You can go on any kind of Bible app and uh, look it up as well. Uh, But if you found it, come on, would you stand to your feet with me this evening? Second Samuel chapter nine. Come on, get the blood pumping through your legs. Or you got to listen to a long-winded evangelist. Come on, somebody. 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you don't have it, it's also on the screen. 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to read the entire chapter, but don't freak out. It's only 13 verses, all right? So it's all right. Uh, there, I'm going to give you the big backstory, story, but I want you to get what's going on right now. 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1. This is what the Word of the Lord says on a gorgeous, beautiful spring evening. Come on, Adams County. Wow, is it beautiful out here today, isn't it? 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1, says, One day David asked... Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he summoned a man named Zeba. Every time I read that, I gotta stop. Zeba, who gets these names? You know, like who? who, Who's like sitting around coming up? He says. Zeba. I mean, y'all looking at me like these, you're so holy, you know all the biblical names. Come on, somebody. This is one of the craziest things I've ever, Zeba is this guy's name. And he says, is there anyone left? Uh, and he summoned a man named Zeba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? Again, this is his chance to say, no, my name is. He could have changed it right there. Like he could have went to Steve or, you know, like, or something, you know, trendy or whatever, Thor. I don't know whatever the trendy names are now, but he couldn't come. But he stayed with Zeba. Come on, somebody. He said, are you Ziba? Yes, sir, I am, the Ziba replied. Then the king asked him, is anyone still alive for Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to him. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. And Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Mekir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Mekir's home, and his name was Mephibosheth. They just keep getting better. Come on. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, and when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect, and David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, and I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll eat here with me at the king's table. And Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food in your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And in verse 11, Ziba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant. I will do all you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from that time on, all the members of Ziba's household from Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled on both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus God, I ask for fear and doubt and confusion to be chased out of this room by your perfect love. Lord, may faith arise in our souls tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, and everybody said, amen. amen, amen. God bless you. you may be seated as you look at somebody and say, Mephibosheth. <laughs> all right, now, can we have the ushers pass out the, the, uh, the tissue so they can wipe the spit all off their face after all that? By the way, uh, if you're if you're, you're not used to an evangelist or somebody like me that kind of gets a little excited from time to time, this is like this is like Sea right? About in this area, these first few rows right here, this is the splash zone. All right, so just so you know that, just make sure you have the little poncho on and whatever happens. All right, so looking here tonight, uh, we're, we're going right into this passage of scripture, and I, I I want you to understand the backstory of this. At the very end, I'm going to give you the meat of what we're talking about and some main points, uh, but I want you to understand the backstory. How I many of you know sometimes the backstory helps you to understand why things mean uh, or, or why things matter and, and what, what things mean? And so I want you to re- go all the way back and uh, give you some biblical history, what's happening and why this story is so beautiful. This story from 2 Samuel chapter 9 of King David showing this crippled guy named Mephibosheth, showing him so much love and grace. It's probably one of the most beautiful stories of grace out through the entire Old Testament. And here it goes all the way back. If you were to go back to Judges chapter 18, there uh, was a town called Gibeah all right this town called Gibeah is there and it's where all these people that lived in a particular tribe of Israel are called the Benjamites they was from the tribe of Benjamin so they're the Benjamites right and they live in this town called Gibeah somebody say Gibeah all right, I just want to make sure you're out there. And so, uh, Gibeah is this town. They all lived in Gibeah, and they're all there. And as they, as as, as they live there and everything's fine, there's a priest that's coming by, a, this young Levite. And he had a beautiful wife, and she was from Bethlehem. And they're leaving Bethlehem, and they're traveling back towards Jerusalem. And as, as they're traveling, they, they begin to come to this town called Gibeah. Now, it uh, they, they was getting to the point where it's getting dark at night, and they needed to rest, and they were chilling out. And so they were sitting in the middle of the town square, in Gibeah, and uh, th- th- this this town uh, probably isn't. You know, even though all these Israelites lived there, these Benjamites lived there. Uh, listen, it wasn't a town that w- was considered to be like a God-fearing town. That they was it was a great place. In fact, one of the people came through. One of the town folks came through and said, "Listen, don't be caught here in dark." Don't stay here in the middle of the night because it's not a good place. The, uh, Gibeah was probably more closely associated to some areas that you might know as like called Sodom and Gomorrah, all right? Like this, this town was full of pestilence and, and sin and perversion. And so uh, as, as this gentleman come through and says, listen, you don't want to be caught here in the, middle of the t- in the middle of the city at nighttime, why don't you come and stay at my house? And so this Levite and his young, beautiful wife, uh, they go and they stay at this man's house, but they'd already been been in the middle of the town, and, and the people of Gibeah, the Benjamites, had already seen how beautiful she was, and this young Levite, and so they come pounding on the door of the house where they were staying that night, and they, they start yelling. They want the Levite to come out. They want actually wanted to take the Levite out. The, the men wanted this, wanted this priest. They wanted to take him and sexually abuse him and do crazy things and all kinds of stuff, and so what ends up happening is, is they, they, they come in, and they force their way in, and instead of taking the Levite, they end up taking his young wife, and they take his young wife out, and I mean, this is a gruesome thing. They, they, they take her out, and all night long, they rape her and pillage her and just, just do horrible things. And it's and so poor, they did it so horribly, and, and it was so demonstrative that by morning time, she was dead. They had killed her, they had raped her, and now murdered her. And as she's lying there, uh, this le- this young Levite takes the what the body of his of his beautiful young bride and takes her back to Jerusalem. And he actually this is this is crazy. He takes her body and cuts it up into twelve pieces and sends a piece of her body to every tribe of Israel. There's twelve tribes, and he sends a piece of her body to every tribe in Israel to let them know what the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjamites, did in the town of Gibeah. Now this is some crazy stuff. Hollywood can't come up with stories like this. Come on. And so it, 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 it infuriates the Israelites. They, they all send a, a, a portion of their men, of their army, and they all gather together, over, over 200,000 of them. And they march on the town of Gibeah to give judgment to the Benjamites who did this horrible thing to this young Levite and his wife. And as they come, they actually, there was 26,000 uh, uh, people in the army of the Benjamites, and they, they, had, they annihilated the town, So They actually set the town on fire. They sent Gibeah on fire, and they, they actually killed so many of the Benjamite. It took them down from 26,000 soldiers all the way down to 600. I mean, I want you to get this tonight. They totally annihilated it. And so, from that time on, from that moment on, the town of Gibeah, the home of the Benjamites, and the Benjamites themselves, they were known as a shameful thing. That, that, that if you said you were from, uh, that you were a Benjamite, that your family was Benjamites, it was a shameful thing. You didn't want to admit it. You didn't want to say that you were part of it. You just kind of tried to hide it. You tried to keep it in seclusion. You weren't real proud of it. And, and it, it, was, it was known as shame and disgrace. And as we can fast forward a little bit. We get into the book of 1 Samuel. Trust me, there's a reason to all this. You stick with me, all right? The backstory is important, all right? We get now into 1 Samuel. Uh, this is several years later. It's still in Gibeah, and there's a young prophet named Samuel. God speaks to Samuel to go to Gibeah and anoint the very first king of Israel. And it's there in the town of Gibeah that he comes across this tall man. This He just had the charisma. He had the swag. Come on, somebody. He had, he had the mature you know it had, just just had it he had it all together and, and he goes there you know or what's called moxie come on how many knows what moxie is it's just yeah, yeah well i had her yeah all right. i mean it's just you're not gonna mess with this guy he, he just had it all he was the perfect candidate come on somebody and samuel comes in and god instructs samuel to anoint this man his name was saul saul was a benjamite This is the beginning of God's redemptive process. He comes into a place of Gibeah uh, that was known for shame and disgrace, the home of the Benjamites. And he now now anoints Saul, one of the Benjamites, to be king over all tribes of Israel, over all 12 tribes. Saul is now the very first king of Israel. And so as now Saul is the king, it, it, the, we fast forward now, and, and Saul begins to, he relies too much on what he can do in and of himself. He relies in his swagger and in his charisma, that he could manipulate people because he was talented and, and just had it all. Listen, this this is a powerful moment. Uh, and, and Saul decides to walk out from underneath the, the sovereignty of God, and he begins to do things on his own. I want you to understand something. God will always accomplish his plans and his desires, the 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 heart of man may be evil, but the purpose of God will never be thwarted. And so God was raising up another person, and He raised up this young boy as 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 as. as. Saul stepped out from underneath of the anointing and stepped out from underneath the favor of God. He was still king, but God began to speak to Samuel that there was another person that he was to now anoint as the king of Israel, and he goes around, and Samuel goes to this house. This this guy's name was Jesse, and there he goes into Jesse's house, into Jesse's tent, and Jesse had several sons. One of his sons was named Abinadab. Come on, somebody, Abinadab, come on, Abinadab, Abinadab. Right. And he had the same look. He was tall like Saul was tall. He was good looking. You're like, how are you doing? You know, he had it all together. And Samuel's like, oh, this is it. This is it. And God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, man may look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I look at the heart, and, it, and Samuel realizes that that wasn't God's man to be the next king. And so he say, I says, Jesse, don't you have anybody else? None of these, none of your sons, that none of these guys are going to be the next king. Is there anybody else? And Jesse's like, Yeah, you know, my my youngest, you know, the runt of the litter. How many got runts of the litter? I got four kids, so I got a little runt. Come on, somebody, I know what that means. I'm the baby of my family. Even out of all my cousins, I was the youngest by far. I understand what it means. There's advantages to being the youngest. You're never wrong, and it was never your fault. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah for being the baby. And he says, yeah, I got my youngest, but he's out in the fields. I mean, he's just a little squirt, you know. And he's out there, he's just taking, he's taking care of the sheep and the goats or whatever, and Samuel says, bring him in. And as, as David walks in, he can, he can hear in his heart again God repeating those things. God, A man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And when David comes in, Samuel knew deep down in his soul by the confirmation of the Holy Spirit that David was the next king of Israel, and it was there in that tent that Samuel is now anointing David, this little shepherd boy, and he anoints him as the next king of Israel. Let me reiterate this again. Man may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I'm here tonight to tell you something. Regardless of the outside circumstances, regardless of what you see with your eyes, regardless of temporary things and and, and people and places and things that, that are hard to deal with that you can see with your mortal eyes, I'm here to tell you tonight, I serve a God who changes things from the inside out. Just because it doesn't appear like God is moving doesn't mean that God isn't working and he's a working on your behalf half, even right now, even though you don't understand it, God is working. And as Samuel anoints David, the next king, it's, it's it's the very next popular story that happens in the Bible. Uh, all of David's older brothers, the big guys, they're out and they're fighting the Philistine army. And it's there that this giant named Goliath, sound familiar? Come on. This giant named Goliath steps out and starts defying the armies of Israel, mocking them and making fun of them on a regular basis. And Jesse, the dad, sends David with some, some bread and some cheese, some nourishment, and sends them to the troops to give to give to the, to the armies of Israel to give to his brothers as they're fighting in the battle and as David is walking towards the battlefield he can hear this giant Goliath continuing to mock and make fun of Israel and even the God of Israel and David as he's walking by and he hears the enemy mocking God all of a sudden that power, that anointing that deposit of God that was placed inside of David earlier in the tent of his dad, all of a sudden when he hears that the enemy was mocking God there's something that begins to well up into David's spirit. David, listen, he had never been to battle. He had never done anything courageous outside of come on, taking care of a uh, taking care of a lion and a bear, but that's a whole other deal. Come on, somebody. God has ways of preparing you. And David, his heart just begins to pump. It's the, just, he starts getting nervous. He has to just he says, listen, who is hey, David steps out and says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this pagan that's out there that's defying and mocking the armies of the Lord? And David's looking at all the soldiers of Israel that's scared to death. And they didn't want to go out and fight the giant. And David says, I'll go at him. Let's go. Let's get it on right here and right now. Listen, uh, how many know it's not only the size of the dog in the fight but it's the size of the fight in the dog, right? Come on, that's an old adage but that's true. There's got to be something that wells up inside of you when you hear the world, when you hear the enemy of God continue to mock and make fun of the Lord and the ways of his people and the armies of God. it's, It's a time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up on its feet, to have a rod of iron run down through its back and say God will not be mocked. It's time for us to stand up and be counted and move forward in the plans that God has for us. David says, "I'll take him on." I'll take him on. And, and he goes over to Saul and Saul says, "Well, if you're going to go out and fight the giant, let me give you my let me let me give you my armor. Uh, let me give you everything." And he starts putting it on David. He puts on the breastplate and the shoes and the belt and has the helmet on and the sword. And David this little scrunt come on somebody. He just a little this a little kid. I said scrunt. Is that a word? let now realize that. Scrunt. Can you Google that for me? Hey, Siri. No, listen. Or Alexa. Who do you all talk to? Come on. You all talk to people you don't even know who you're talking to. Come on. And David says, this, this stage is giving me a weight problem, just so you know that. I hear this board squeak, and it makes me go, love handle, love handle, love handle, right there. Where am I? Okay. And David says, I'll take him on. And Saul puts on all his armor onto David. Saul, remember, was a big guy. He was put together. He had it all together. David just this little run. And David could barely even move in Saul's armor. He has to take it all off. Listen to me. You're not called to live in someone else's anointing. You're not called to operate in someone else's giftings. You're not called to carry someone else's burden. God has a plan and a purpose specifically for you. He designed it for you. You don't have to live somebody else's life. You be exactly who God has called you to be. You don't need to live up to expectations of anybody else or compare yourself to anybody else. You be who God has called you to be. And David threw off Saul's armor and all he had was a slingshot and he goes over to the stream and gathers five stones, uh, five smooth stones the bible says and he puts those stones in the slingshot and the bible says david steps out and goliath says what am i a dog you send this little squirt out or scrunt come on so has somebody let's start hashtag let's let's let that trend hashtag scrunt come on somebody i don't even know what that means Goliath says, you send this little dog out to me? What am I, a dog? What am, what am I? What do you send this little kid out here to fight me? And, and Goliath, it, it's peculiar. As the Bible says that Goliath sends his, his armor bearer out in front of him. The giant is walking behind his armor bearer. That's something else to be thought of. How many understand the enemy? May They might be big, but they're a coward. The world is a coward. The devil is a coward. And Goliath is marching out, and the Bible says as Goliath starts to walk towards David, David runs towards Goliath. That's powerful. As Goliath walks towards David, David runs towards Goliath. And he takes out that slingshot, and he, 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 he just starts whipping that thing around, and he lets one of those stones go. And that stone goes right into Goliath's forehead, drops Goliath down to the ground, and David goes over and somehow is able to take the sword of Goliath out. And he lifts that sword up just as hard as he can, and just barely lifted it up to the sky, and just lets it drop and cuts Goliath's head clear off. I mean, come on, somebody. Come on. Aren't you thankful tonight that swords that were meant to kill you, the traps that were dug for you, how many understand the gallows that were built for you, the enemy himself will fall on and he will will be defeated for God's glory and for your benefit? And David there, he cuts off Goliath's head, and that's how David's popularity starts. And he begins to travel around. David gets really popular. He gets really close to Saul. Saul keeps him close. But even as David is close to Saul, remember, Saul is all full of, he's got it all together. He's got the charisma. He's got the swag. He's got it all together. He thinks he's the man. And all of a sudden, the nation of Israel, they, they fall in love with David. And they begin to say, Saul has killed thousands, but David has slain tens of thousands. Well, that doesn't sit well with Saul that a little runt can do more than him. And he begins to become very jealous. And he decides he's going to kill, he's going to kill David. But the problem is, is that David was, was so good relationally and loved people and and had the, had the passion of God inside of him that David had befriended Saul's sons, Ishbosheth, and another man named Jonathan. Jonathan was one of Saul's sons and Jonathan and David were very close together. They were very tight. They, They loved each other and took care of each other. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it saw Jonathan and David form a pact. And as they form a pact, they say, listen, we're going to take care of each other. We're going to love on each other. And the Bible says that they actually take robes and tunics and they exchange their clothes. They put the, each other's clothes on, signifying that as long as each other lived, and as like they would protect one another, they would cover one another, and they would provide. It was about the provision. As they took their clothes off and, and put it over top of each other, it was a signifying that they would provide for each other. And then the Bible also says that they took weapons and they exchanged weapons. Not only would they provide, but they would always Protect each other, and they would take care of one another's family, and they would always love each other just as they loved themselves. And they would they took together themselves together, and it was called the cutting of a covenant. In fact, the Bible uh, oftentimes what would happen is they would cut a covenant or make a deal. They would oftentimes take an animal and cut an animal in half, and pull the animal apart and walk through what they just cut apart, and say, "If we don't take, if we don't stay true to the covenant, to the promise that we just made up made to each other, what just happened to this animal may it happen to us." And there were other times that even take they would take a sharp object and they would cut their hands and they would shake hands and, and hug as a signifying that they were exchanging blood, that they, that they were blood brothers, that they were together. It's was called the cutting of a covenant. And they've now made this covenant. Although Saul, uh, Jonathan's dad, was very angry, he was ready to kill David. And Jonathan had already made a pact with, with David. And he said, David, listen, my dad's going to kill you. He wants to. He, 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 uh, he's going to come after you. He's going to try and kill you. And so Jonathan saves David's life and David goes out into hiding and it it moves a little bit forward now remember Saul is still king Jonathan is Saul's son and as they're out uh, they're fighting the Philistines again they're they're fighting the the armies and they're out in the the Jezreel Valley on a a mount called Mount Gilboa and on Mount Gilboa in the the Jezreel Valley it was there that Saul died in battle along with Jonathan on the very same day they they died together on the very same day And and the Bible says, if you were to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, because, uh, listen, one of the crazy things is, is whenever there was going to become a new king, when the old king died and there was going to be a new king come in, whoever the new king was, he would come in and he would kill all the family of the former king. So no one else could claim stake to the throne except him. And so the nurse heard that Saul and Jonathan had died. And so the nurse of Mephibosheth, this young little boy, picks him up and begins to run away to try and save him and take care of him. And in the hurriedness and in all the hustle and bustle of trying to make sure he was safe, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that the nurse dropped Mephibosheth. And the fall was so tragic that it actually caused Mephibosheth to become lame, so much so that he was crippled for the rest of his life. The fall was so tragic. And as, as time moves forward, David is still a little bit in hiding. He, uh, but the last son of Saul that was left behind was named Ishbosheth. Now, Ishbosheth didn't do a real good job. Uh, in fact, Ishbosheth. Remember, Saul was from the town of Gibeah. This is a this is another this is a good sermon. You can go and preach this one a little later on. But Saul was born in Gibeah. The name Gibeah means uh, uh, the hill of worship, mountain of worship. Saul died on Mount Gilboa because he stepped out from underneath of the plan of God and he was all boastful in his own ways. Saul was born in Gibeah, the mount of worship, but Mount Gilboa means puffed up worship. Uh, it means that he he thought he could do it in and of his own strength. That's a good sermon. Write that one down. You can preach that one later on after I leave and it's there that that's Jonathan and Saul die on Mount Gilboa Ishbosheth becomes the very next king and listen here's the here's the thing remember I told you if you if you were known as a Benjamite if you were known to be from the town of Gibeah that you were from a, the Benjamite family it was full of shame and heartache the name Ishbosheth literally means Ish means man bosheth means shame his name literally meant man of shame and his reign was very short. There was a little weasel politician named Abner. Come on, somebody. Thank God for weasel politicians. We need godly ones to raise up. Come on, somebody. Ishbosheth doesn't work out too well. He ends up dying. Abner betrays him. And he dies, and Ishbosheth dies, and David now becomes king over the entire nation of Israel. This is where we pick up our story. Aren't you glad we took all that time? But this is huge. This is important. This is why. David is now one of the very first orders that David has as king is in 2 Samuel chapter 9 where he starts looking around and he says in verse number 1, he says, One day King David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, David Jonathan had already saved David's life because of his covenant. But just because Jonathan was dead didn't mean the covenant was dead. And David said, is there anyone left that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Listen, this word kindness is this Hebrew word. It's got this real good thing to it. It's called kesda, right? Kezda. You just, you just kind of let it out. <laughs> get a good little kezda word. My, my Hebrew teacher from Bible college probably isn't happy with the way I'm pronouncing it, but get over it. Come on, somebody. And this word is what is translated here in the New Living Translation is kindness. Other translations say loving kindness or grace or love. And I, that's what I want you to understand something tonight. The love and kindness of God is powerful and moving. It's, it's the mercy of God. The mercy of God means he can't help himself but help you. The grace of God means it's an unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. It's nothing that we have done in and of ourselves. It has nothing to do with what you can do. Listen, someone here in this building tonight needs to hear this. You've been trying to work yourself up to obtain the favor of God. You've been trying to do all the right things and do all the right places. And just do. do. And listen, it's not about doing. It's about being. Remember, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You need to understand who you are in God. And David says, is there anyone left in Saul's family that I can show Kezda, this loving kindness, this, good, this grace of God? Is there anyone left that I can show, show the loving kindness of God for Jonathan's sake? Listen, here's what I'm telling you tonight. The loving kindness of God will search for you. The loving kindness of God will search for you. On your worst day, when you think you've been forgotten, when you think everybody has left you alone, listen to me, just because your hopes and dreams are gone, and you feel like they're dead, and your your plans are dead, and it's all over with, doesn't mean the covenant of God is dead. The covenant of God is this, that Jesus sent him, that God sent Jesus to die on the cross and be raised from the grave so that we could have eternal blessing and mercy and grace and live with him in heaven forever and forever and forever. And just because maybe you've been in an unfortunate circumstance, maybe because you feel like maybe you, you you've messed up and you've done things and you think nobody cares about you, listen to me, I'm here tonight on a Saturday night at the 6:15 service. Some of you all come to church on Saturday night, hoping that not everybody else else is going to be here that you can come in and just slip in and not be noticed I got news for you, the eyes of the Lord they've been looking at you this entire time you are not forgotten from God just because, listen to me, you think everybody hates you and nobody loves you and you try and be out on your own, I got news for you, my God has never left you, he's just about the moment of his mention, mention of his name away he is our ever present help in time of need and you're tired and you're weary and you've been trying to do it all and you've been trying to fix it all on your own and the more you try and work, the more you try and fix it, the worse the problem gets. I got news for you tonight. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you are in Jesus Christ. And the loving kindness of God is searching for you. On your worst day, when you think you don't have what it takes, the loving kindness of God is coming after you tonight. I got news for you. You are not far and distant from God, but tonight in the name of Jesus, you've never been closer to the loving kindness of God than you are right now. The loving kindness of God will search for you. But look what it says now in verse 2. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied the king and then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him. At the home of Makir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home, and his name was Mephibosheth. He was one of Jonathan's sons, Saul's grandsons. Listen, not only will the loving kindness of God search for you, but the loving kindness of God will sustain you. Let me explain this tonight. David, he's looking for someone in Saul's family to show the love and kindness, the grace, the mercy of God, the favor of the Lord. He wanted to show the love of God to somebody that was left in Saul's family. He calls in one of Saul's old servants named Zeba. Come on, somebody say Zeba tonight. Not zebra, we're not at the zoo. Come on, somebody. He calls in Zeba, and Zeba was one of Saul's old servants. He says, Ziba, is there anybody left out of your, out of your master's family? Is there anybody left? And Ziba goes, you know what? I heard about somebody. I heard about somebody. He was one of Jonathan's sons. And as soon as, as soon as Ziba says he was one of Jonathan's sons, I bet David edges forward in his throne because he heard the name Jonathan. He remembered the covenant, how Jonathan had saved David's life already, the covenant that he had made as they exchanged clothes that they would promise to provide, and they exchanged weapons, and they promised to protect. And, and Ziba says, listen, there's somebody. His name is Mephibosheth. David said, well, where is he? And Zeba says, listen, he's living out in the house of Makir from the family of Amiel in this region called Lodabar. Listen, this is powerful tonight. I don't want you to get this. The power of God, the loving kindness, the grace of God will sustain you. Even when you're in a place, this, this region called Lodabar, as you, as you study the scripture, it's very easy to find that the, the region of Lodabar, the Hebrew name Lodabar, low means like the negative, like nothing, zero, nothing there, low, nothing, Lo debar. The, the last part of that, that region called debar means pasture or word, sustenance, provision. The, the, listen, Mephibosheth, after he was been dropped by his nurse, and now he's living out. In the middle of nothingness, the name Lodabar literally means of nothing, of no word, of no pasture, of no provision. Nothing was there. But isn't it interesting Mephibosheth was still there because God had made a place for him. Listen to me, I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe you feel like, like, like you're in a barren place. You're in a dry season where you feel like you're thirsty. You've been trying to do everything you can, but you've never been refreshed. You don't have what it takes. I got news to you tonight. You're still here. You're still here. Mephibosheth was found in the house of Mekir from the family of Amiel. A-M-M-I-E-L. This word, Amiel, it means kinsman of God. Family of of God. You say, Tim, what am I trying to say to you tonight? Even in the desert place, even in the dry places, God is going to set up a place of refuge and safety for you. You may not feel like anybody cares. You may not feel like you, you feel like you're totally forgotten and you're living out in a dry season. But tonight, in the name of Jesus, I declare Freedom Valley Church from the family of Amiel. This is the house of Makir. This is the place where you can find safety and refuge. Why do you think we say welcome home? Because this is a place where you can come and find the comfort and the grace and the refreshment and the sustaining love of Jesus Christ. When you're going through a dry season, when you feel like you don't have what it takes anymore, let's be honest with ourselves. You're still here. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here. Think about the near miss accidents you've had in your car. Think about the medical things that God has brought you through. Think about the family situations or or the financial problems and all the things. But here it is, folks. You are still here. This is how I know you still have hope. You're still breathing. You're still here tonight. You were in the house of safety. In the name of Jesus, I pray it would rise up in your soul tonight. This isn't this isn't a place for you to be fearful or to be worried about what's going to happen. I pray tonight that you would sense the comfort and the peace and the joy of the provision of the presence of God, and you would know this is the house of Makir from the family of Amiel. This is a place where maybe you feel like you've been out in the desert in Lodabar of no word and no pasture. God has made a place for you. In the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run to it, and we are safe. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. Maybe it's decisions you made. Maybe it's an unfair circumstance. Even like Mephibosheth, it wasn't his fault that he was crippled. Come on. His nurse dropped him when he was four years old. It wasn't his fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. We live in a fall we live in a fallen world. The rain falls on the just. And the unjust. I'll talk a little bit about this uh, more in the 1115 service tomorrow. But listen to me. What is happening in your life is not punishment. Uh, It's not God's judgment falling upon you. All of God's judgment already fell upon the back and the hands and feet of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing that's happening to you here on this earth is because of judgment and punishment. it has everything to do that we live in a fallen world. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jason, people want to—they don't want to buy. They do want to bicker and moan and say nobody loves me, nobody cares for me. I, I'm all alone in this place. Here, listen. Can I just, just gently and in a loving way say, who gives a rip? And I don't mean that to like, slap you in the face. Listen, it's time for you to stop being the victim and start being the victor in the name of Jesus Christ. Who cares if the whole world is against you? Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the whole world. You are no longer the tail. You are now the head in Jesus Christ. God had made a place of provision. This loving kindness of God was sustaining Mephibosheth. And isn't it peculiar that Lodabar, of no word, no pasture, of nothing, no word, isn't it peculiar that David now sends Ziba? Remember Ziba? Right? The dude with the weird name as if Mephibosheth isn't bad enough. Ishbosheth, Mephibosheth, Ziba, hello. It's probably a little bit more marketable, though. Like, Tim Bennett's so forgettable, you know? Like... Tim Bennett. Who's that? I don't know. But Mephibosheth, you know who that is. Ziba. Like, you can go by these one word names. Where am I going with this? Anyway. Oma said share in church and people would know. It. Oh, do you know who that is? These one word names. Like, just, I'm, I'm way off on a tangent. All right, get rid of the rabbit hole. Listen. Isn't it peculiar that David sends Ziba to Lodabar to get Mephibosheth? Lodabar, of no word, of no pasture, of nothingness, of no word. Listen, the name Zeba literally in Hebrew, means statute, word, standard. Listen to me tonight. Even in a dry and barren place where you feel like God has forgotten about you, he is sending his word to you. God will send his word, and he will heal all your disease. He will make you all wit whole, the Bible says, fully whole, totally together. Listen to me tonight. You might feel like God has forgotten about you. Here's the word of God. The love and kindness of God is searching for you. He will sustain you. And listen to me. I want you to hear me tonight. Here's what the word of God says tonight. The king wants to see you. Ziba shows up to Mephibosheth's house, to the house of Makir and the family of Amiel and Lodabar and comes to Mephibosheth and says, hey, the king wants to see you. The king wants to see you. You say, what am I saying to you tonight? Listen to me. I'm telling you, the king wants to see you. The king wants to see you. I don't know if you know this or not. The king wants to see you. Some of y'all thought you could come to the back row and think that God has forgotten about you. But I got a word for y'all tonight. The king wants to see you. The king, you're not forgotten about. Just because you're in a dry season, just because things aren't going the way you want them to go, doesn't mean the word of God isn't coming. The king wants to see you He wants to see you. You're not forgotten tonight. The king wants to see you. Jesus wants to see you. The presence of God is inviting you in. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, your name has been spoken in the throne room of God, and he has sent his loving kindness. He has sent his word out to meet you. Even though the enemy, listen to me, even though the enemy might come in like the flood, the Lord raises up a standard, a statute against him. In the name of Jesus Christ, the king wants to see you. But many of us have the same reaction that Mephibosheth had. Some of y'all, when I went walking to the back and I got real close to you, right? Somebody had to go buy Mephibosheth a new pair of drawers. Come on, somebody. Mephibosheth was full of fear and shame. Remember, he was a Benjamite. His dad, or his, his granddad, tried to kill David. He was scared to death. He had been running for his life his entire life. He didn't even remember. I wonder if he even remembered when he was four and five years old, when that horrible accident happened that caused him to be lame. But all he had known his entire life was to run and to hide and trying to trying, trying, to, trying to seclude yourself and to keep yourself out of the loving kindness. Listen to me tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus that you hear the loving kindness of God, that he is searching for you, he is sustaining you, and he, I love what David does. Come on, i got to hurry this thing up. Come on, somebody. Kick it into gear, Tim. David says in in, in the end of verse chapter, in verse 6 of 2 Samuel 9 says, when, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness. Remember, Kezda. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. And Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then David summoned Saul, Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. Listen, not only will the loving kindness of God search for you and sustain you, but listen to me tonight. The Bible says here that whenever Mephibosheth came in, Mephibosheth was full of fear. Listen to me, shame and regret and disgrace is always rooted in fear because we try and compare ourselves to other people we try we try and decide whether or not we're good enough whether or not we deserve it listen to me with the favor of god the grace of god we don't deserve it that's exactly what grace means the unmerited favor we don't deserve the grace of god here's what we deserve here's the entitlement plan for all of us to think we deserve everything that it all should be fair here's the here's what the bible says everybody should have for the wages of sin is death that's the only thing we deserve is mankind we willing, willfully, and, and we chose death over life, for the wages of sin is death. But aren't you thankful for the grace of God? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me tonight. The Bible says, as David calls him in Mephibosheth, he begins to he he, he crawls out to David. Come on, somebody, I've been P ninety X, and can you see it? Come on. <laughs> Y'all need to pray for my wife. Come on, somebody. I would say pray for me, but I'm not sure. What am I doing down here? Sorry. Mephibosheth, listen, if you don't have fun doing what God's called you to do, you're not doing what God's called you to do, just so y'all know. Mephibosheth come on come on. Tim. Mephibosheth comes in, he comes crawling into David, and the Bible says he's real low. And he says, "Oh David, do you don't want him. Don't, don't show kindness to me." And David says, "Oh no, 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 listen. Listen to me." I want you to get this deep down inside. David, listen, the loving kindness of God searched for Mephibosheth. The loving kindness of God sustained Mephibosheth, even in Lodabar, even in the dry season. And the loving kindness of God will supply your each and every need. David said, listen to me, everything that was your grandfather's is now yours. It's all yours. All the land, all the pasture, all the livestock, all the provision. It's all yours. Listen to me, it had nothing to do with what Mephibosheth could do. Come on, somebody. He was a crippled down on the ground begging for his life, thinking he wasn't worth anything. Thing, but isn't it loving? Isn't it amazing? The grace of God that David says, listen to me, I'm giving you everything the enemy has taken. I am now restoring to you. It is yours, not because of what you did, but because of whose you are. And, and listen, I, can, I just wonder, I just wonder. Whenever Mephibosheth comes in and says, why would you give this to somebody like a dead dog like me? I wonder if all of a sudden the hair on the back of David's head just stood up. As he could hear the same words of Goliath. This, this term, this dead dog, this, this was a very derogatory term. He's not talking about some little like puppy, right? Not, not, not a little poodle or little schnauzer or a little, little you know chocolate lab or somebody. It wasn't lassie. Come on, somebody. It, it, it was this, it was this horrible der- It was actually the same term that they would refer to as male prostitutes. That's what they called them. Dead dogs. It's just a piece of meat. Mephibosheth says, "Why would you give anything to some like a dead dog, a piece of meat like me? I'm I'm nothing. I'm nothing. You know what? You're right. I am I am nothing. Tim Bennett is nothing. Candace Pringle is nothing. In and of ourselves, we lead to death. But aren't you thankful for the grace of God tonight? that he will supply each and every each and every one of your needs. It has nothing to do with who you are but, or what, what you can do. It has everything to do with who you are and whose you are. I wonder, when David was hearing these words coming out of Mephibosheth's mouth, I wonder if he sensed the Spirit of God raise up inside of him. I wonder if he heard the same words that were spoken over him through the heart of Samuel that says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You want to know why David gave everything back to, back to Mephibosheth? Because listen to me, it, it, it had nothing to do with what Mephibosheth was it actually was his because Mephibosheth was from the family of the king you're in the family of the king everything that is his is yours don't discount yourself. Don't try don't, don't try and think that you're not worthy of the favor and the blessing, the healing and the joy and the peace and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ and his alone. Listen to me. You might think that you're just some piece of me, that you're some dead dog, but I got news for you. You have been summoned into the presence and into the throne room of the king of kings. The king wants to see you not out of fear and regret and shame, but listen to me. The king wants to see you to restore you, to supply your each and every need. And I love, I love, I love, I love what David does if the band wants to come and start playing, it'll make me shut up faster. Come on. <laughs> David comes in and it's Mephibosheth is begging for his life, saying, Oh, you don't want to you don't want to give anything to me. You don't want David restores everything, gives it all back. He gives it all back, and watch what happens. It says at the end of verse 10, but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Zebra replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Listen to me tonight, Mephibosheth comes crawling in He said, oh, I'm just your servant I'm a dead dog, I don't have anything to offer you And listen to me, the king says, listen to me It's not about what you have to offer me It has everything with what I have to offer you You're not my servant, you're like one of my sons Many of us try and come in And think that we can work and attain The the favor and the loving kindness Of God, it has nothing to do With what you can do, but it has everything to do With the loving kindness of God And the power of Jesus Christ Who is on the inside of you, that if you have can with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is God at that very moment the old is gone and the new has come and you are grafted into the family of God that we can even call on to God as our Abba Father, our Dad that you are not a servant anymore, you're not a slave but you are now a son and a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and everything that is the Father's is now yours and I love that David doesn't just supply everything for him but he makes a seat for him at the table he makes a seat for Mephibosheth at the table. I don't know if you think about this or not. But when I sit at a table, I sit down at the chair, right? Come on, I'm going to show you my P90X right here, right? Sit down at the chair, and you pull, you pull the table up over top of you. Guess what? When Mephibosheth sat down at the table, his lameness was covered. There's nothing to be ashamed of in the presence of God. He knew who you were before you got there. David knew that Mephibosheth was crippled before he got there. But he made a seat for him at the table. God has a seat for you. There has been a seat prepared for you. Many of us, we've come into the presence of God. Jason, can you hand me a chair real quick? Many of us, we've come into the presence of God. There's there's been a seat made for you. Thank you, brother. There's been a seat made. Many of us have come in, and we, we get around the seat. We can come to church. We get close. But then we come up with all these cockamamie ideas of what we need to do in Christianity to earn the favor of God. And then we think we can earn it and do it in our own strength. And, and instead of taking the seat that had been prepared for us, we kind we try and do it on our own. Right? We try and skip out. We're like, yeah, I'm... I'm whatever you know I don't want to I don't want to really just and we sit here and then we wonder why we get so tired on, I mean, how long can you sit like this come on somebody how long can you hang we, we get around we, we just kind of we get close but all the favor of God how refreshing it is just to come and take the seat that has been prepared for you. You don't have to work yourself up. Nothing you can do. Just take a seat at the table. Remember, I told you Ishbosheth, the name is Ishbosheth, Ish means man, Bosheth means shame. His name literally meant man of shame. Mephibosheth, the name Mephibosheth Bisheth is the same as Ishbosheth, right? It means shame, but the first part of Mephibosheth's name means to shatter. The name Mephibosheth literally means to shatter shame. Some of us, we thought that it, we failed, we've made mistakes. We, we, we've messed up. We've, we've tried to do it in our own strength, and we've fallen off the chair. We, we felt like we, we don't have what to take. Listen to me tonight. It has nothing to do with what you can do in and of yourself. All God is asking you to do is come in and take a seat. It's, there is therefore now no condemnation to those of us who are found in Christ Jesus because what was once out there, what we thought we had to do to work ourselves up, it's nothing you can do to work, but it is everything you can do just to receive from God. Listen, I'm not telling you there's not commitment. There's, listen, there's balance to everything. But tonight, many of us have tried to work to attain the favor of God. There's nothing you can do that can work yourself up to attain the favor of God. It has nothing to do with the outward appearance, but it has everything to do with what is in your heart. Mephibosheth may have been crippled on the outside, but he had the blood of the king pumping through his bones. I don't know where you are in your life tonight. Maybe you feel like full of fear and shame like Mephibosheth. Shame is always rooted in fear. Fear and shame go hand in hand together. But God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. The grace and the mercy of God. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that the perfect love of God expels all fear. I don't know where you are tonight, but I do know this. There's a seat for you. There's a seat for you. You might feel like you're not worthy. Nobody's worthy. But the King has made a seat for you. You might think that you you've done something you you can't work to attain. Listen, here's the problem. Many of us have been trying to chase down mercy and grace. Many of us have been trying to chase down the loving kindness of God. You can never chase that. There's nothing you can do to earn the loving kindness. kindness. You can't chase down the, the mercy of God tonight. There's nothing you can do to try and hunt down and chase down the goodness and the mercy, the love and the grace of God. But the Bible is very clear that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me to lie. David wrote this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Even though I may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear anything because God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me, but come on somebody, in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Watch this. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and forever and forever. You can't chase down the love and the mercy of God but the love and mercy of God will chase you down when you just where are you tonight you've been trying to do it on your own strength or have you fully relied and trusted in God I know many of us You've tried to trust God before, but it ended up you were trusting God through another person. You trusted in a preacher, you trusted in a ministry, or you trusted in a church, and you've been burnt. I got news for you. People will fail. The heart of man is wicked. People will mess up and make mistakes. You can't put your faith and your trust in man. You have to put your faith and your trust in the one who made a seat for you. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that the fear of being rejected would be broken tonight. The fear of being let down would be broken tonight. The fear of shame and regret, failure. Some of us fear success because if we if we succeed, we'll have to come out of darkness and people are going to notice us. Don't get comfortable in low to bar. There's nothing there for you. This is your spot. This is your place. God has made a seat for you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to IMN. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
1: Come on, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? hallelujah listen I don't know what's happening in your life tonight but I know God had called me here I know God has given me a word for you tonight if you're here and you say Tim you know what I'm far from God maybe you're out in that dry place you trying to work it on your own strength. You tried to fix it on your own, and the more, the, the more you try and work, the more trying you fix it, the, the worse it gets. Maybe it's even to the point where you're not following Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never accepted the grace of God. Maybe you've never just taken a seat at His table. Tonight, I want to give you an opportunity. Before we go any further, before anything else happens today, if you're here and you say, "Tim, you know what? I want to take my seat at the table. This is your place." God has a place for you and if he goes to prepare a place for you surely he's going to come back and receive you unto himself that where he is there you may be also that's not just talking about heaven that's talking about here and now there's a place for you in the family of God you are not a slave and a servant anymore but you will be a son and a daughter of God when you accept the loving kindness of the father if you're here tonight and say Tim you know what I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Real simple. We don't have to over we overcomplicate things too much. It's as simple. The Bible simply says we believe in our heart, because remember, it's not about the outward appearance, it's about the heart. From the inside out, God changes us. We believe in our heart, and then we confess with our mouth. Many of you in this room tonight, I know you believe. Now it's time for you to confess. And when you do that, the old is gone and the new has come. What a powerful moment. For 15 years, we've been watching God do this, and it never gets old. Never gets old. And if you're here tonight, and say, Tim, you know what? I need to accept the love and the grace of God. I've been trying to do this on my own strength. I want want you to understand this is for salvation. You say, Tim, I need to know that there's a place for me in heaven. I need to know there's a place for me at the table of God. If that's you tonight, when I say three, I'm just going to count to three to bring us to a point of decision. When I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up as high as you can, All right we're all going to pray this prayer first come on, this is powerful, everybody in the room I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me tonight alright, everybody in the room, pray this prayer with me, the Bible, listen, the Bible's clear you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth which means this, you don't have to say this prayer word for word but you do need to mean it and you do need to say it out loud alright, come on everybody pray this prayer I promise this prayer will not damage a soul come on everybody say Jesus oh come on everybody in the room, say Jesus I admit that I need you I believe that you are God And I confess you as the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is now my home. From this day on, I will trust the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Now listen, this is important. Not only do you believe it, and you confess it, but now you got to, this is an opportunity. The Bible says, if you were to confess the Lord before man, he will confess you before his father. I can promise you this is a room full of people that loves you, that encourages you. If you think we worshiped and went nuts before, you wait until you shoot your hand up here in a second. And watch what we do. If you're here tonight, said Tim, you know what? I just prayed that prayer for the first time. Or maybe you had been here And you left, you fell off, whatever it is, but now you're back in. You were on the outside. But now you're on the inside. Come on, you know who you are. You are here tonight? Say, Tim, you know what? I just prayed that prayer for the first time, or I needed to rededicate my life to the Lord. Come on, if that's you tonight, we want to just give you a, we, listen. We want to give you a proper welcome into the family of God. So when I say three, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can. There is nothing to be ashamed of. There's everything to rejoice in. The Bible says in the book of Luke that when just one sinner comes home, the angels of God rejoice. So listen, those of us that are here, we're going to join in with the angels. You believe that tonight? Come on, if you're in the room, you say, Tim, you know what? I just made that decision for the first time, or maybe you just recommitted your life to the Lord. Said Tim, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand up as high as you can, and we are going to give you the loudest ovation this church has ever seen. Come on. This is for you. Regardless of how old or how young you are, how long you've been coming to church, you were on the outside, but now you're in. Come on. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand good and high when I say three. One, two. Come on. You know it's you. Lift your hand high right now. Three. Come on. Is there anybody we wait for you? That's it, young lady. That's it. That's it. Yeah. give God a big shout in this house tonight. hallelujah God sees you he sees you hallelujah oh what a good God we serve now listen we have these little cards if you didn't get one just now there's a little table in the back it looks just like this it says I'm in I'm in they're up here as well I want you to make sure you get one of these do what it says we want to connect with you and help you out you do not have to live life on your own anymore you are not by yourself anymore. How many believe that? Amen? Look, if you're here tonight, say, Tim, you know what? I've been in fear. We're not going to run a marathon. We're not going to do anything like that. I just want to pray with you right now, just real quick. We're not Listen, we're, we're not going to do a big, long thing here tonight. We're going to be praying with, I mean, I will lay hands on everybody and pray with everybody at that 11 o'clock service tomorrow. I'll stay and pray with you all night tonight. But if you're here tonight, say, Tim, you know what? This was me. This was me. Tonight, shame is shattered in the name of Jesus. The king has sent Zeba to come get you. The king wants to see you come out of darkness and into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful moment. I'm telling you, this is powerful right now. Just before Pastor Candice comes and closes us out, if you're here tonight, say, Tim, you know what? I've been living in fear. I've been living in Lodabar in the dry place I'm tired of it. It's over. It's over. I'm coming. The, I'm the king. Wants to see me. I'm going to take my seat. If that's you, come on. I want you to step out from where you are as fast as you can. I'm not going to count. I just want. I want to come. and I want you to stand with me here right now. Listen. This this is going to take. Go take some moxie listen, doesn't matter how big or how old or how young or whatever it is, if you're here tonight say, Tim, you know what, I'm done with fear I'm done with living in the comparing myself to everybody else, I would invite you, if you just received one of those I'm in cars listen, you need to be up here as fast as you can, and listen, if you're here tonight, say Tim, you know what, I've been living in fear, I've been living in shame tonight, shame is shattered in the name of Jesus Christ, that's it, come on, whether you were saved before or saved, listen, you know who you are, come on, you're tired of shame, you're tired of fear, that's it, as fast as you can Come on, come as stay. You thought you were going to be the only one. Now you're not. Come on, you come join us. You come join us. You come join us. You're not alone tonight. You're not alone tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. They're still coming. Thank you, Jesus. What a good God we serve. Amen? Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this prayer together. All right, everybody in the room, come on. If you have a friend or family member that's up here, there is no sense for them to be up here by themselves. Come on, would you gently come, just gently lay your hand on their shoulder? Nobody needs to be alone in this tonight. That's it, that's it. Come on, that's it. Nobody's alone. But come on, a ground rule that I always have, no shakers, leaners, or pushers, all right? You let God do whatever he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it, amen? We don't need to work anybody up. God could do his own thing. That's it, that's it. Yeah, 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 you're not alone. Honey, can you come? Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let, let these folks hear you praying for them right now. If you're, out in the, if you're out there in the crowd still, don't be a spectator. Come on, join in right now. Stretch your hand out to these folks, not in some weird way, but just in a focused way. Come on. That's it. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare the favor and the grace of God in this house in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray tonight we would know we are not alone. God, we are not forgotten. We've not been forgotten. We've not been pushed behind. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that faith would rise in our soul. May the perfect love of God cast out every fear. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we never be alone again. Not one more day. Not one more day. God, we've messed up. We've made mistakes. Sometimes it's been an unfortunate circumstance, just like Mephibosheth. Lord, where it was something that was happened to us as a child, Lord, and we've lived up to the expectation and to the level of a victim. God, we're not victims anymore in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're not a victim anymore, but we're free in Jesus' name. Shame is shattered in the name of Jesus Christ. And what we thought was going to trip us up and cause us to fail, the Lord is going to turn around for His glory and for our benefit in the name of Jesus. You are no longer a failure. You are no longer fearful, but you are the chosen of God in the name of Jesus. You're not a servant. You are now a son and a daughter in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, the fear would be chased out of our heart right now. God, we've worked hard. We tried to do it, and we just keep up coming, we keep coming up short. We make mistakes. God, we've tried to be something for everybody else. We continue to let them down and ourselves down. Lord, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that the love of God would penetrate our hearts right now. Lord, that even in a dry season, when we're weak and we're weary and we don't have what it takes, the perfect love of God. It overwhelms our weakness right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, you're never alone again. There's nothing you have to do to work yourself up to make, listen, nothing you have to do to work yourself up to make yourself something that you're not, you be who God called you to be. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. Before one of your days ever came to be, he had them planned out for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans of hope and of a future. You are a beautiful masterpiece of the grace of God. Never allow anybody to discount God's appraisal of you. He gave his life for you. We serve a good God tonight. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let them hear you pray. Just one more time. Let them hear you praying for them tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I command favor and blessing to come upon you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn towards you and give you peace and grace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, one more time in this house. Let's give God a big shout of praise in Jesus' mighty name.